0: Blue wire New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers We believe we found the right guy Garoppolo quick pass caught by Kittle he dives and he's in
1: Touchdown What is going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of Strike and Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com, and joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, and everyone's favorite Twitter follow, Eric Freaking Crocker. How are you feeling, brother?
2: Man, I'm, I'm I'm feeling like like you know a divisional round champion. Hopefully,
1: you're feeling a little nervous. yeah the closer it gets
2: well i don't even know if it's the closer i get i I think what made me nervous was just how much 49ers twitter was kind of overlooking the the vikings and and i almost feel like it is like you guys are going to get what you deserve for overlooking them like the way you are now we talked about it last week on the on the podcast how you know we we had mentioned it um saying like hey like the vikings there are no pushovers. Remember? Do you remember that part when when someone asked, like, who would you rather play?
1: Right. Yeah. No. I, I even had it. I even had it on the on my notes. I could even go back to my notes, and and I had deliberately put in there, like, Vikings might be the sixties seed, but they're not a real sixth seed. They're a genuine playoff team that's not meant to be overlooked. You know, and and that's kind of still how I feel now. And them beating the Saints only makes it all more so. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Right. They got got some guys, man. I know we're going to get into it, but I mean, like I said, you know, I put the game on right now. So I'm kind of watching it again as we record right now and just watching Devin Cook run the ball. And yeah.
1: Well, yeah, it's it's definitely and one of the things I just thought about maybe we could do as we roll through this, if we got some extra time is maybe go through both of the team's rosters and see where. That who has like the decide advantage you know at kind of each position on offense and defense that seems like some way like an easy way to break it down, but um if you weren't aware which you should be if you're any anything close to tuned in to how the playoffs are going down um before last weekend's matchups, it seemed like the forty ers were destined to play the Seahawks or the Eagles. That just seemed like the way it was going to go down because the Vikings were playing the Saints and everybody, and I mean everybody, assumed that the Saints were going to beat the Vikings. The Saints have been white hot all year. They're another 13-3 and 3 team. And I think, unless they were 12-4 and 4 and I didn't know about it, and everybody, and it, there was it was playing in New Orleans in the Dome, and, and so everybody just assumed that the Saints were going to get past the Vikings and they would be headed to... Um, And which would mean that they would head to Green Bay and the, uh, the winner of the Seahawks and Eagles would have headed to Levi stadium. Well, (laughs) the Vikings came out and beat the saints in overtime. And it was, it was just, it was a really interesting game. It was not necessarily the game I expected from either team. Um, Minnesota was quite a bit better than I've seen them, especially the last time I was really paying attention to them was when they played Green Bay two weeks ago and got throttled, um, which to me just, I don't know, made made them look vulnerable to me. You know, it's I, obviously I think the Green biggest Bay's a strong team. But. Yeah,
2: I think the biggest reason for their, for their uh, vulnerability was they didn't have Delvin Cook. In, and when they don't have Cook, they definitely look like a different team. When, when he's out there, man, that, that offense, it looks a lot better. Um, you remember, he got hurt against the Seahawks in, in that game. So remember, that was a tight game. He got hurt, and that was when the Seahawks kind of pulled away. And then down the stretch, they lost a couple more games, uh, excuse me, uh, not having Dalvin Cook back there. But but when, he, when he's playing, which he wasn't in that Packers game, they definitely are a different offense because now they can lean more on that than Kirk Cousins, th- Kirk Cousins throwing the ball around. And I, I, I want to say nobody, you know, outside of the the Ravens, well, nobody in the NFC ran the ball more than the 49ers and the Vikings. So, yeah, it, it's, it's an offense that is predicated more on the run. And, I mean, they ran the ball 40 times last game. They controlled the clock. That's what they want to do. And and when they have Dalvin Cook, they're able to do that. Um, and, yeah, so that, that that's what you were seeing, I think, you, the big difference between – those last few games of the season, and the Vikings that we saw uh, was Sunday.
1: Right. One That's 100%. And one of the things you mentioned is, and Dalvin Cook wasn't even amazing per se, but he was, statistically, he was he was pretty average. I mean, he, he got real close to 100 yards, but it was on 28 carries. So that should tell you right there how much he means to that offense. And it's not necessarily a matter of him being uh, you know, a hyper-productive back that's averaging over five yards of carry. It's just the the threat of him being back there and the continued touches uh, and the continued ability for that team to pound the ball. And obviously, any team that plays New or- an offense like New Orleans, one of their – keys to victory is going to be to keep Drew Brees on the sideline. And that's exactly what the Vikings were able to do. Now, it's not like the Vikings destroyed the Saints by any means. It came down to kind of not a miracle play, but a a tremendous play in overtime to to win the Vikings the game. But they controlled the clock. The Vikings had the ball for 36, almost 37 minutes, whereas the Saints had it for 27 minutes. So, And 10 minutes less in, in a football game is a lot. Right, you know that that's a very very significant advantage. Usually, in most football games, the difference is like five minutes. Even when teams get blown out, there's the time of possession is usually pretty close. It's it's no it's definitely not that. Rarely do you see a game that's that lopsided. And you know, if you just kind of just look through the stats, there wasn't this huge disparity of statistics like. Um, The the Vikings converted 10 of 18 um, on third downs, which is pretty good, Um, whereas the Saints were only 4 of 11, and that's that's not great. Um, But as far as total offense, the Vikings had 362, and New Orleans had 324, and it was kind of distributed the same. But, you know, the Vikings ended up running 20 plays more than New Orleans and it was just a matter of keeping Drew Brees off the field and and getting him off the field when he's on it you know and it was it was just the impressive a pretty impressive defensive performance from the Vikings who looked like they kind of uh, had Drew Brees number Harrison Smith had an amazing game he had 11 tackles Um, I believe he had that interception deep I can't remember who had that one Um, let me see I'm just gonna no it wasn't him there was um there was you,
2: you talking about on the Vikings?
1: Y- yeah, there was Harris. I think it was Harris. Harris number forty one, yeah, he had the deep right. interception. Right, okay. So yeah, you, and you had um both of the a huge thing for the Vikings was and the Saints offensive line has been really good. This year, they've been uh, they've been a really strong point of that offense. And the Vikings went to town on them. And, it, and really, it was only two guys. It was the Hunter and uh, and Griffin. And they had they shared three sacks. Each of them had one and a half sacks and they were able to do their thing. And they were moving all over that defensive line, which is, is definitely something that's going to play into that matchup with the 49ers. Well, those guys
2: are game wreckers. I mean, if you go back to the matchup last year, first game of the season, um, they ruined that game for the 49ers. I I know a lot of people remember, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, he threw three interceptions. Um, They – we lost uh, Person and Garnett, like, right away. I want to say both in the first half. And McGlinchey had to move to right guard. Uh, That was his first time, like, ever playing guard in his life. Um, It it was just a disaster, and those guys took over the game. You know, uh, a big part of that uh, loss was the pick six where – you know, guys are just running in free. And, I mean, it, that, that D-line, they, they can really take over a game. And you can see uh, early on in this, or even in the second half of this Saints game, they made things a little bit uncomfortable for Drew Brees.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was there was one play there towards the end of the game where I can't remember who it was that came f- not free through the middle, but he broke through kind of in the middle and was right in Drew Brees' face. And Drew Brees had the ball back with one hand, and he just fumbled it. He just let it go. I think he tried to, like, grip down on it to, to at least throw it away, and the ball just popped out of his hands. And he just – Drew Brees never seemed to get comfortable in this game. Um, the, the, uh, the, the Vikings defense was doing just enough to keep him off his game. I mean, he did complete almost 80% of his passes for 208 yards, but 208 yards for Drew Brees is, like, a bad game and he had one one touchdown and one interception. So it just wasn't the game we were used to from Truebreeze. Now at the same time, the Vikings were really good, but the Saints were just struggling. Like they did not seem like themselves, and, and obviously you have to to credit a defense for that because even the the Saints' defense played decent. I mean, they held them to twenty six points throughout the whole game, and and held them to twenty points all the way through into overtime. So, well, yeah, you know, and, and,
2: and I think a bigger note you you touched on Dalvin Cook's numbers, um, talking about his ninety four rushing yards. Well, yeah, eighty four of those in the first half.
1: Right. So, right. What, so you know, what was the
2: difference second half? So it, it you know, it and that might be something for the 49ers to look into, but it's not like, you know, the 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 Falcons, the Vikings just like, oh you know, they just ran over the Saints. I think first half it was a little, who you know, kinda of what's going on, but for the most part it was a really tight game and you know, both teams seem like made some really good adjustments. Some things that the 49ers are gonna have to really look into when uh playing against these Vikings.
1: Right. And, and the Saints defense was playing pretty good. I mean, if you look at the Vikings drives, you you know, it started with a fumble. Um, then they got a, the Vikings got a field goal, punt, punt, field goal, touchdown, punt, touchdown. And then towards the in the second half, it was punt, punt, punt. Um, and then or excuse me, in the fourth quarter it was it was uh, basically the entire second half for the Vikings was one touchdown. And so it's not like the Saints' defense was playing poor, and it's not like the Vikings were lighting it up. They were doing just enough to maintain that pace with the Saints. That the Saints, you know, were were allowing them back into the game with with some turnovers, and you know they had a uh, Drew Brees had that interception when it looked like they were kind of going to drive down the field and score. They had a missed field goal. So, and you think about it, you have a missed field goal, then that's you know, that's. That's what sent the game into overtime right there. So it was just this weird game for both teams. I felt like the Vikings played just a little bit better than they were used to, and the Saints played a little bit worse than they were used to, and that was the the difference. and And if you watch that game in overtime, um, Kirk Cousins threw this just outstanding deep pass. One of the, I think the, I think it was um, Troy Aikman basically said on the on the broadcast, best throw of his career. And it wasn't necessarily that he, Kirk Cousins hasn't ever completed a deep pass before. It was just that in that situation, in overtime, to basically put the game away, the Vikings got the ball in in overtime. And and one drive is, is all, you, you know, if you score on that first drive, if you score a touchdown, the game's over. And so that was, you know, just a, a, a brutal nail in the coffin for New Orleans because they never even got a chance. You know, Minnesota just drove down the field. Kirk Cousins just has that huge 40-yard bomb to Adam Thielen, which put him on like the three-yard line. And then he finished it off with a uh, – I can't remember what down it was on. I'd have to look at the play sheet, but he finished it off with that, uh, that fade ball to tight end Kyle Rudolph to win the game. And he might have gotten away with a little bit of a push-off. It looked like he did to me, but it's just one of those things that unless it's really obvious and egregious and everybody freaks out and looks at it, and you know, they're in the moment, it's really going to get flagged in that moment. So,
2: Yeah, I think when people like freeze frame did and stuff like that, I think it looked a little worse than what it looked like live or full speed. Um, Me as a defensive back, obviously, I would love for them to call that, you know, the offensive pass interference. But, like, being, you know, just looking at it objectively, watching it in, you know, full game speed, was there a push off? Yeah. Was it enough to warrant a pass interference? I feel like, you know, both of them were handsy. I saw the defensive back reach out, you know, grab a little bit. So, I think the tight end, they just, you know, use that to, hey, man, get off of me, (laughs) you know, get off of me, stop grabbing me.
1: I, f- I feel about the same as that as I feel about the no call on Fred Warner when he was covering Jacob Hollister in the Seahawks game. Like to me, if you're if you're a receiver and you're going to run a, a route that invites contact where you're you're going at a DB, then when you when that contact is had, you shouldn't complain about a flag. Like in the 49ers game, Jacob Hollister like lowered his head into Fred Warner and kind of tried to drive him off his spot before turning and looking for the ball and then he acted like it was a flag when Fred Warner was, was coming right. back at him. You know, at that point, I mean I I never even thought about it. Fred Warner might have thought he was getting blocked. You know, with the way Hollister came at him, you know, and it's just stuff like that. If you're gonna, if you're gonna seek out contact as a pass catcher, then don't be upset when with the result of what happens. You know, it's just to me that's just where the real disadvantage for a defensive back comes in is because in that situation they'll almost always call something defensive, and rarely will they they fault an offense when in reality it was probably them that was seeking out contact in the first place. So. Right, yep. You know, but I know you don't need me to tell you that. <laughs> so, to me, the big thing about, you know, slowly transitioning, and, and for those of you that are listening, this is going to be a little bit shorter of a podcast, or quite a bit shorter of a podcast than you're used to, uh, just because the only thing Croc and I have to do tonight is is break down this matchup. And like I said, maybe we'll get into the, the rosters a little bit uh, specifically and stuff, but um, to me, when I'm looking at the Vikings – I'm looking at Dalvin cook. Like I'm not, obviously Kirk cousins can make the throws, but he's not somebody that I'm worried about what he's going to, you know, let's say the, the 49ers were facing either, you know, Aaron Rodgers. You could say that if you want to keep it in the NFC, but somebody like Deshaun Watson, where you can't ignore the quarterback, or you can't just assume they're going to make traditional plays. Same thing with like Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. That's I don't look at Kirk Cousins like that. He's a pretty traditional quarterback. And I feel like if the 49ers, as of all the matchups and in the NFC teams that could have come to pass, whether that's the Seahawks, the Eagles, uh, you know, Eagles would be pretty favorable too. I feel like Kirk Cousins presents the most favorable matchup for a 49ers pass rush that should look pretty right. good. And, you know, we haven't got into this yet, but the 49ers released their first participation report of the week. Kyle Shanahan talked to the media this morning, um, and the defense is getting better. Uh, They're getting healthier, which is just crazy to think of. You know, you're in week, uh, essentially week like 19 of of the season, and the 49ers are actually at one of the healthiest points they've been all season. Now, yes, you have to consider the fact that there have been players that have sustained season-ending injuries and are no longer on the roster. But as far as a roster, from a full 53-man roster standpoint, almost everybody is practicing right now. And if you, like I I usually say, if you've been living under a rock, um, linebacker Quan Alexander has officially returned to practice. He's officially been cleared by um, doctors to play. Uh, It's just a matter of... Uh, you know, coaches deciding what his role is going to be in the game. If it's worth activating him, uh, I can guarantee you, I'd be willing to guarantee you that they're going to activate him and he is going to play. Even if he's playing 15 snaps, he's going to be activated and he's going to play because he is a guy that brings so much more to the table than just his play on the field. And the last time he was on the field for the defense, the defense was a lot better, but A lot goes into that. So, um, but just to, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. But in addition to Alexander, uh, D Ford is back at practice. He's practicing in a limited fashion. I assume they're going to have him practice like that all week. Uh, There's no reason to have him do anything extensive at this point. I would be willing to bet that his hamstring, his quad, and his hamstring are probably 100%. He's, they probably overestimated how much time recovery time—not that not that he needed—but they probably gave him more time than he needed, just so he could be ready for for this game. And so,
2: well, remember, I mean, he came back originally from that from that injury and reaggravated it right, right. away in the Saints game. Yeah, so, no, he did. I'm pretty sure they wanted to take a more cautious approach uh, this time around,
1: right? And the the defense has been so much better when it's. It, Particularly in the pass rush when D Ford is on the field. It basically makes it to where, I mean, if you think of, depending on the formation, at any point you're going to have, or, you know, if you're rushing the passer on an obvious passing down, you're going to have Nick Bosa, you're going to have D Ford, you're going to have Eric Armstead, you're going to have DeForest Buckner, and even somebody like Fred Warner has proven very good at rushing the passer on blitzes. So, and if you didn't know this, Fred Warner is huge. He's like 6'3, 230. Or, or something like he's a big dude. So. Yeah,
2: he's it, like close to six four. Right, and like he's almost two hundred and forty pounds. So yeah, no, he's he's a big linebacker.
1: Yeah, and he's a he's a full like a lot of times when you see those stats for any position, really, you always assume they're a little less. You know, like somebody just gave him that little extra bit. But Fred Warner is a full six three. So when he rushes the passer, you know, obviously he doesn't have the the refined technique and the moves that that a lot of, uh, you know, defensive linemen do, but he he is very effective at it. So when you have a, a pass rush like that, you're, there's not much an offensive line can do to double up people. It's it's just, you know, the center can kind of work one way or the other depending on where the defensive linemen line up. And, you know, so when D Ford's on the field, there's no one that the offensive line can look at and say, okay, here's the guy that we need to double team. Because Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, and Nick Bosa have all proven effective throughout the year and throughout their careers. So um, that's a huge thing to have back. In addition to D4, what's crazy is every single one of these players, you have Jaquiski Tart, safety, who's also practicing in full. It's just crazy that all three of those players are like, I don't even know how you would want to describe them, but like upper echelon impact players in that defense. It's not like they're getting back. And even I'm just somebody like K1 Williams, Slot Corner. He's been really good, and there's no. I'm I'm just saying. There's they're they're all important positions, and they're all players who have had a tremendous, been having a tremendous season so far. So it's just crazy to think that they're going to get all three of them back for the playoffs. You know, it's just you just don't normally see teams getting that big of a boost at this point. Well, the Four Nines have
2: been banged up all year. That that's been like. The, the biggest issue, you know, uh, a lot of times, especially when the defense started kind of playing down a little bit, um, you know, you, you could clearly see the effect that a lot of the injuries were, you know, taking a toll on the team. But, you know, now that I think that first round bye, that was that was so huge to getting these guys back and, and, and getting them healthy and um, even everybody else having the chance to uh, recover from a long season. I mean, the, the last bye week was week four. And you have to remember guys like Emmanuel Sanders – Miles Sanders played 17 games this year. <laughs> 17 because he tra- you know he got traded over mid mid season. So, um, and when when he got traded, Denver hadn't had their bye week yet. So he played 17 games. So you know, guys needed that week to to get right. You know, and and you know, get a little healthier. And I mean, you know, almost two weeks, right, to 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 prepare for this team, but also kind of get their bodies together and not be all banged up. So I'm pretty sure going into this game. I think a lot of times you hear people say, oh, you know, that week off, they might get a little rusty. And it's like, nah, Niners need to get healthy. And they, they did just that.
1: Well, yeah, and it's in, in addition to the 49ers having a week off, the Vikings are going to be playing on a short week. Um, oh, wait. Yeah. No, the NFC matchups were on Sunday. Right. So, yeah. Am I right? Uh, the Saints and Vikings, yeah, Saints and Vikings was right. Sunday morning. So the, right, NFC East, or the, the excuse me, the uh, AFC matchups were on Saturday. The NFC matchups were on Sunday. And this next weekend, they're flip-flopping. So I believe they are, at least. I know the 49ers play Saturday afternoon. So the Vikings are going to be on a short week. No, the, 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 um, um,
2: the, in, the Ravens and Titans, I believe, are the night game of Saturday. You got the 49ers at oh, Okay, and you so got the, the night okay. game will be the Ravens and Titans, which is like, why? why You guys should flip right. that. Uh, maybe it was already kind of set in stone, I but it's like, clearly the game to watch and the game that should be like the nighttime, you know, under the lights game is definitely uh, the, the, the 49ers and, and the Vikings.
1: Well, I feel like the 49ers have been proving that all year. The ratings for the 49ers games have always been basically not record setting, but they've been leading the pack for every time, for every time slot they ever play on, you know, and the fact that a lot of that had to do with the, with the late season stretch where it was like they were playing playoff games in the regular season. So, um, but, so the the Vikings are going to be coming to Levi stadium, essentially traveling, traveling, you know, diagonally, almost the length of the country, you know, and it's, and it's, just a, a, a crazy advantage for the 49ers, you know, that the Vikings play indoors on turf and now they're coming across the country to play outdoors where the weather might be less than ideal. It's supposed to rain Saturday morning um, and kind of into the afternoon and the 49ers play at, I think it's at one thirty. So it's, you know, there, there's all kinds of things and now rain tends to neutralize matchup advantages and the fact that, you know, both teams are enduring the same conditions, but getting that bye week off was just so huge for the 49ers and their advantage. They're getting these, three impact healthy players on defense. And, and if there's anything, any critique of the 49ers late in the season, it's that their defense has kind of fallen off. Um, obviously it, it's still been decent, but it's struggled a lot more. And some of that has to do with the level of competition they were facing, but the defense has begun to fall off. Whereas the offense have start, has started to turn it up and, you know, they struggled against the Falcons and, and, and uh, just seemed okay against the Seahawks, but it's been much more, um, and and namely maybe maybe more specifically Jimmy Garoppolo seemed like he started to play he's played his best football in the second half of this season so it just seems like there's so many things that have aligned um perfectly for the 49ers and if not perfectly then at least giving them the the utmost advantage that they could they could ask for at this point in the playoffs so it's going to be interesting it's just I don't think that the game plan for facing somebody like Minnesota is really all that complicated. Um, they do have excellent receivers and Anna, Anna tied in, in addition to Dalvin cook. It's just, I'm not, I'm not all that scared of Kirk cousins. He's.
2: Well, the thing with Kirk cousins is, is he, he's kind of spotty. And I would say, with some of his ability abilities, I would say are kind of on the same level as Garoppolo. I think the biggest difference between the two is Garoppolo never folds. Like you, you don't really see him get rattled. Where Kirk Cousins, if if the Vikings fall behind early, say, you know, the Niners are prone to jump out on teams ten zero. They jump out on the on the Vikings ten zero, that's when that's when you'll see uh Curzon Kirk Cousins just start throwing some random passes and they'll get into some trouble. 49ers, when they're down 10 points or whatever, 49ers just respond and they score. The Vikings and Cousins, that's when you see them start to fold. I think that's the biggest difference. If he's playing with a lead or in a remotely closed game, you, you'll see him make some really good throws. He'll, he'll make some throws. But they fall behind, that's where you see the biggest difference, and that's where the big falloff is. I mean, even like in that game, you talked about the Packers against the Packers. Where yeah, you know, I touched on I am Dalvin Cook, but even then, I mean, it, it got so out of hand because Cousins doesn't know how to play from behind. So I, I think that's the biggest when when you start talking about Kirk Cousins and his issues, he's very talented. But if if you can kind of get a beat on him, he'll he'll get in some trouble. And the Saints really in, in that game, they had an opportunity to really start jumping on him second half because he didn't do much second half. He really didn't do much throughout that game, aside from throwing that really nice pass at the end. I mean, the this, the the Vikings defense was setting him up in pretty good position, taking the ball away. Like you know, we talked about the fumble that gave the Vikings uh, plus territory to start the game, and they didn't do anything with it but get three points. Um, it's it's not like it's it's high power. He he's talented, but you can get a beat on them, you, you can come right, out Right, and I of feel them. like
1: the, the 49ers game plan for this is going to be very similar to what they faced in Green Bay. where, And it, what's crazy is you would never think that this is the game plan for somebody like Aaron Rodgers, but the 49ers said after the game that they wanted to stop the run and force Aaron Rodgers to beat them through the air. And I have a, and I, if I had to bet, that would be the same thing that they want to do against the Vikings because the Vikings' offense is very, very play action heavy. They and and that's why they were successful, even though Dalvin Cook was only averaging a little more over more than three yards a carry. Um, but they ran it twenty four times with him, and they ran it. They ran it way more. Than, I think you said they ran it a total of forty times. But it's just a matter of their offense being predicated off their running attack being at least moderately effective that so that the play action can be respected and defenses you know kind of have to hang back and and allow those running rushing lanes to open up because they're respecting the play action now if the 49ers can come out early and do a good job of stopping Dalvin Cook and setting up third and longs uh, then I feel like they'll be successful because one, yes, the Vikings do have good receivers. Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are, are no joke. They're they're probably one of the better receiving cores in the NFL. And you also have Kyle Rudolph. He's a respectable tight end. But like I was saying earlier, you're going to have a defensive front that is for the 49ers that is completely healthy and that's getting D Ford back. And then it's just looking for an excuse to tee off. And I feel like, the, if the 49ers can set the Vikings up to have to pass more than they would like to, then that's where you're going to find the success, and the, and and that's where you're going to see the the Kirk Cousins. It's like you were saying, can get a little bit frazzled if the 49ers can start hitting him, even if they're not getting sacks. If they can get close, if they can start hitting him, if they can start pressuring him because he can't hand the ball off as frequently, then I feel like the 49ers can handle the game pretty convincingly. It's when the Vikings can knock out these long extended drives that keep the 49ers offense off the field because the, the Vikings have a very, very respectable defense and they're going to get after Garoppolo and they're going to have their wins and the 49ers going to have their stalled drives. Um, and it's just going to be a matter of success through opportunity. And making sure that the offense has plenty of opportunities to come out there and score points. And, and that's all going to be predicated on getting after Kirk Cousins. And and I feel like that is where the game is going to be decided. I feel like the, if the 49ers stop, do a good job of stopping Dalvin Cook like they stopped Aaron Jones when they played Green Bay. And I feel like the, the matchup should go well for them. Um, but, you know, that's way easier said than done. It's just, you know, that's, that's just where I feel like that that should, you know, the hinge point should be. If they can focus on Dalvin Cook and make him mostly irrelevant, and, and then they should be okay. You know, at this point in the season, facing a quarterback that isn't much of a running threat, and Kirk Cousins can move. He can scramble out of there. I think some to, people but. kind of
2: underestimate his athletic ability a little bit. I remember him scoring on a read option touchdown against the Niners when he was with uh, Washington. So, you know, he, he he can move a little bit, a little bit better than I think people give him credit for.
1: Right. Especially on a play like that where no one would be expecting it. That, would, that reminds me of that, uh, that I think it was in the playoffs where Peyton Manning took that boot for the oh, touchdown yeah. where he, he took the handoff and then just rolled back and ran. And there wasn't anybody <laughs> within like six or seven yards of the guy because nobody thought Peyton Manning was going to run the ball. He was he is so slow um but they did it there and it works and and Kirk Cousins isn't nearly that slow he's a much better athlete than Peyton Manning was but uh i in the same way no one's going to necessarily be expecting them to run any type of running play with Kirk Cousins so you know that's always something to look out for but that's it. For, I mean, that's that's just what I think. And I'm not a game planner. I'm not an X's and O's guy. I can't tell you exactly what the recipe for success. But if that were me, and I had any say in it, I would I would put all my chips on stopping Dalvin Cook because I feel like the 49ers secondary, especially with Tart back, is going to be capable of stopping what the Vikings. You know, I, I I still have a lot of confidence in Richard Sherman. I feel like he's going to shut down whoever's on his side of the field, and it really depends on who the 49ers trot out there is the starter opposite him. You know, what? If you, if you had to guess, what do you think it's going to be, with Keller Witherspoon or Manuel Mosley? I, I would say Manuel Mosley. I'd probably agree with you.
2: You know, I, I think just you know, I, like I've, I've talked about it before, I talked about it on the last podcast. I, I don't think it's all bad, like, like people think with the Keller Witherspoon, but at the end of the day, results are results. And at this point, with kind of what's going on, I, I think you just kind of owe it to your team to put who you feel would be the least liability out there at cornerback. And just based on the results, I I would say, you know, that's, that's uh, Emmanuel Mosley. And I like Emmanuel Mosley. I I really like him. I really like his ability. Um, You know, he's not the biggest guy, but I think he moves very well. He has really good feet. Um, I love the way he comes up and and tackles. Um, it seems like he has a good beat on what guys are doing, the way he prepares. You know, I had a conversation with him earlier in the season, I think heading into his first start against uh, the Cleveland Browns and him just talking about, you know, his faith in God and how, you know, his confidence never wavers and, and his preparation never changed from whether he was on, you know, practice squad or getting moved to active roster. So I really like where his head is at, man. And, um, you know, if he does get a start, I'm, I'm extremely excited to see – you know just how he does and I think he matches up well with with who the Vikings have at receiver
1: right and and to me like we talked about on the last podcast to me if if you're going to take a Kelo Witherspoon out and you're going to put Emmanuel Mosley in at the end of the game when it all comes down to this and you know you know and they even went after him a little bit there with DK Metcalf and like you said maybe a play that should have been completed but um if you're going to put him if you're comfortable with putting Emmanuel Mosley in in that situation because and and was clearly because Witherspoon was struggling then how do you not ride with him going forward Right and yeah. and they
2: haven't announced it right and and I think it's uh
1: they, no, they're, thought, not, and they're not and, going uh, who, to
2: Right you know and, and if they haven't announced who the starting cornerback is and they say oh we're not going to announce it until game time I don't know. it's it's uh Emmanuel Mosley
1: Right Right. And one of the things we'll do now, and and this is just really at a surface level, neither crocker nor myself have like dug into all the numbers of uh, of both the units but we'll run through the 49ers and the vikings roster and and kind of at each position and we'll just kind of decide between each other who we feel like has the advantage and and, and in some cases it might be close and and like i said we haven't like i haven't looked up how many sacks the vikings offensive line has had and the 49ers offensive line has given up and it's not like that we're just going to go through both the rosters, just to kind of finish up this pod and and see who has the the, the advantage to where. And I will even open up my notes here so I can keep score. Just just because every you got to keep score. Gotta see who wins because whoever wins this is going to win the game. That's just the way it is. That was sarcasm. Okay, so that was just too dry. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so we got 49ers, we got Vikings. Let's start with, um, and hopefully you guys couldn't hear that. That was my computer being stupid. Uh, let's start with um, the most important position on the football field, quarterback. If you had to pick between Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins, who would you take there, correct?
2: Garoppolo, because like I said, you know, he just doesn't, he doesn't blink, He doesn't get flustered. Um, doesn't seem like any moment is too big for him. Uh, that's what he's shown throughout his career. And I think Kirk Cousins, last game was maybe an anomaly, I hope. Uh, but more time than not, it seems like <laughs> when he's played against the better teams, he's folded, you know. And so, yeah, uh, I'm definitely going with him.
1: Right. And his biggest his biggest knock is, you know, folding in the playoffs. I'm uh, and I think play this play is one of his in general yeah, in the
2: playoffs. But I think it's in the, his right. record against teams with a winning record, it's not good. Like it's in the negative by like a right. lot.
1: And I've been really impressed with Garoppolo as of late and just what he's shown on and off the field and how much the team follows him and appreciates him. And, and what's what I've learned to, to love about Garoppolo is, one, he takes risky throws. Those risky throws sometimes result in interceptions, but he responds to those interceptions every single time. Like, I don't even remember – You know, on the top of my head, times where he just chained together bad plays after bad plays or bad drives after bad drives. He just always seems to respond to even his own mistakes and will come out and throw a horrible interception where you're looking at the the field wondering what he was doing. And then he'll follow that up with a super impressive touchdown drive, which is a really important characteristic. You know, short memories and and the ability to, to fight through adversity. So, okay. So now we're at an interesting one. We got running back. And I don't know. I feel like the the Vikings definitely have a good running back. They have more of a, a leading man in Dalvin Cook, whereas the 49ers have I mean and Raheem Mosters kind of earned that leading role. But you know, you also have guys that are that are perfectly capable in Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman and uh you know, what what do you i, I thinking, have dude? to
2: give them the edge just because I think Dalvin Cook is just that good. Like I think he's just he's just a guy, and then behind him they have the guy was it number twenty five, Madison, yeah from uh, Boise State, yeah, right?
1: Alexander Madison, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, Madison. Like, he
2: runs extremely well. That was another guy that they were missing too. I think they were missing both their running backs, so um, you know they they got them both back for the uh, Saints game. Yeah, I, I I'd have to take them. I, I'm just a little, and, and, and I think the deciding factor is. Uh, is definitely Devin Cook.
1: Right. And I, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think – I don't think it's one of those where it's like, oh, man, this is a super, you know, lopsided advantage. Obviously, the 49ers have zero problems with their running backs. They've been making plays all year. To, you know, what's nice is they've all been making their own separate plays at times. So that, you know, the 49ers are obviously perfectly fine at running back, but I would agree that, that the the Vikings have a little bit of edge there and one that I've already written down. And this isn't, this is definitely another one where the 49ers aren't at an, at a a super disadvantage, but I would say the Vikings definitely have the advantage when it comes to wide receivers, because Stefan Diggs and, and Adam Thielen are both incredible talents when it comes to a route running and, 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 performance standpoint, they're both very, very good receivers And they're just a little bit more um, of of the playmaking type, and it's tough to say this given what we've watched Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel do. But if I think if you had to, you know, if you took whatever poll you wanted to take, I think most people would take Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs over Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel.
2: Well, I'm going to throw a little wrinkle in there, and and instead of just going receivers, I'll say pass catchers. So I add George. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, if yeah. Well, they're gonna do that. Then all of a sudden, I have to probably. I, yeah, I was
2: gonna nah, say well, the just tight go pass end. Catchers. You know where the, these quarterbacks throwing you know, the ball to, and um, you know, if we're just going just pure pass catchers, man, I'm saying I'm taking 49ers B- between George Kittle, um, and then obviously Debo Samuel coming on the way he has and how they've been using him, and now I mean Emmanuel Sanders, he's just like, oh, let's see when we want to give him the ball. He's not a guy that they're forcing the ball to, but we do know. That at any point, you know, he can have seven for 125 yards. So, um, I'm, you know, I, I do like Thielen, really love digs. I, I think they play extremely well. But, uh, when you add George Kittle into that, I'm taking, I'm taking a full nine of class catchers,
1: right? 100 percent, 100 percent, because I think that you know, if you were to to put it numerically, I think like the Vikings wide receivers, I'd give like an eight out of 10 and the 49ers receivers, I'd give like a seven out of 10. And then when you add in George Kittle, who's an easy 10 out of 10 compared to Kyle Rudolph, who might be like a five out of 10, then the advantage kind of swings towards the 49ers. So I'm definitely, I would definitely agree with you that if you're adding Kittle into the mix and you're just counting people who are catching passes, then I think the 49ers have a pretty clear advantage because you just can't there's no one really out there that compares to George Kittle, especially at tight end. So, you know, where we started, where we start to get into a little bit more of, I guess you could say, uncharted territory is something like the offensive line. Like I said, we haven't looked up how many pressures the the Vikings' offensive line is allowed compared to the 49ers or stuff like that. Kind of just on surface level, I mean, I'd, I'd I'd be tempted to say the 49ers may have a, an advantage at offensive line.
2: Um, well, if they play like they played last game, I definitely say the 49ers have the. Advantage. They they were outstanding against the uh, right. The
1: Joe Staley completely shut down Jadavion Clowney, and that's in comparison. And it, and I don't even know how many times Clowney went up against Staley. He might have been facing McGlinchey too, but whoever he was facing, he was not making the impact that he made the game before. Clowney basically wrecked the first game, you know. And, and if and if the 49ers would have been able to neutralize Clowney in the first game like they did in Seattle, it would have been. A, a, a pretty, I think, a pretty convincing win for the 49ers. Clowney was just having that big of an impact. So, and, and you could definitely bring up the fact that the 49ers are missing their starting center, Weston Richburg. Um, they are also, you know, Mike Person is still he's limited in practice, he's still coming back starting right guard, but they did put Daniel Brunskill there who's just been a total surprise for the 49ers this season. He's he's done really well at guard. He's done really well at tackle when he was stepping in there and and even um um what am I, the 49ers back, the 49ers starting center right now. Why am I drawing a, a Ben Garland. Garland? He's been playing pretty well. He hasn't been a liability. Now, I would guarantee you that the Vikings will target him, and they, they'll target Brunskill if he's starting with, you know, just the same way they did it against the Saints. But as of, from what we've seen right now, the 49ers offensive line is playing pretty good in its current configuration. Yeah. I, you know, they were good against the Seahawks. So it's, I mean, it's tough to fault him. If anything, you could say that position is was a wash, just because we, just we don't know a whole lot about the two. Um, and then, if you want to get, if you want to really get, get, I wouldn't say petty, but if you want to compare fullbacks, <laughs> we can, <laughs> we can give that one, we can give that one to the 49ers yeah. because there's nobody out there like Kyle Eustachy. Right. So, um, and then, so let's kind of separate this a little bit. Let's, let's go pass rushers and this is another interesting one would you rather have daniel hunter and everson griffin or nick bosa and d ford like <laughs> i ah that's, that's tough. A, a
2: tough it's it's a little tougher than i think most 49er fans think i'm I, I think i'm gonna go with ford and bosa just because of how explosive they are off the edge and it seems like bosa's damn they're unblockable one-on-one but I. I mean, I, I don't say that with a lot of confidence because those, you know, between 99 and 97 over there for the Vikings, man, those those dudes get after the quarterback. And like I said, I'm watching the game right now in the background, and they're causing some trouble for Drew Brees. They're, they're back there, man. Those those dudes are good. They're good.
1: Well, another person you have to take into account into account for the Vikings is, is Anthony Barr, who is technically a Sam linebacker in their scheme, but he plays quite a bit. And he's a bit of a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He's a stand-up linebacker that can still rush the passer. Um, not necessarily like one of those players that, oh, we have to account for this guy. But he's a solid player too, so he kind of adds into that equation. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I mean, that's a tough choice, trying to decide between those two pass rush units. At the very least, you can say that neither team is is worried about their pass rushers. They're both very, very good at their jobs, and, and both offensive lines for either team is is concerned about what the other team is bringing to the table. Now, the other thing that I would – the other part of that unit that I would say the 49ers have a clear advantage is kind of like your interior of the defensive line, where the 49ers have DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, who it would – you'd be hard-pressed – to find an interior of a defensive line that's playing better yeah, than they are. Especially against the pass. They're just... Right, right. And, and I guess that's kind of where I'm leaning right now when I'm looking at this. Maybe the, the Vikings were probably better against the run than the 49ers. The 49ers are a, a bottom half in the NFL team against the run. I think they're just below the bottom half. They're at like 17, I believe, 17th against the run. The Vikings are probably a lot better against the run. But at the same time, like, you know, the way I was talking about this matchup is yes, I do want the 49ers to be able to stop Dalvin cook, but another huge part of that equation is going to be keeping Kirk cousins frazzled, which, you know, you can't really ask for much more when it comes to, to defo and and Armstead. So, and then another, you know, another interesting one is the linebacking course and, and the Vikings, Eric Hendricks, like I said, Anthony Barr. Um, I don't know much about Eric Wilson, their weak side linebacker, but it's a pretty respectable group. But I think with how Dre Greenlaw played against the the, the Seahawks, making that game, he had like 13 tackles. Um, he made that game sealing play, and then you have Fred Warner, who's kind of taking himself up to the ranks of one of the better linebackers in the league. And then you're getting Quan Alexander back. I mean, I,
2: yeah, well, that that'd what be a deciding you? factor for me. I mean, you know, like the the Vikings, Kendricks is an All-Pro, first-team All-Pro linebacker. So you know he he's extremely good. He's really good. Um, but
1: he's actually from he's actually local. He played um, at one of the uh, local high schools here in Fresno. Yeah,
2: you know the, the you know that, that that's an all pro. But just with you know Fred Warner, I mean yeah, even with Fred Warner is like okay that really good linebacker there. But then when you throw in there Quan Alexander coming back and the energy he brings and his ability to cover and play in space. Um, You know, Dre Greenlaw, I love what he's done, but it's really good to see, you know, Quan Alexander coming back. And I I can't wait to hear him, uh, you know, I I can't wait to hear them pick up the sounds of him trash talking on the field. Um, I'd have to get the point (laughs) Now, If if there was no Quan Alexander, I might be, I mean, yeah, I might be uh, tempted to lean towards the Vikings. But um, Quan Alexander coming back, I think he was playing at an all-pro level before he was hurt. I'm going to have to go with the 49ers.
1: Well, and another one that, that, is, that is sort of interesting, and, and I'm right there with you. I think the linebackers, you could, you could say it's close, but I think Quan Alexander coming back and just what that is emotionally going to do for that team kind of gives them a little bit of an edge there. And like you're, you're seeing a pattern here. A lot of these, the edges that we're giving to the 49ers or the Vikings are very close. So the, these two teams, one of the things I thought about going into this matchup is they're very similar. In, in, in many ways, like Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Gravolo aren't all that dissimilar. I guarantee you if you looked at their stats, they'd probably be pretty close. Um, and, and there's just so many parts of this roster. So at cornerback, I think the 49ers still have an advantage. Obviously, they have a little bit of uncertainty opposite Richard Sherman, but having somebody on, like Richard Sherman on the field. And the 49ers – or excuse me, the Vikings have a, a, a pretty respectable group um, of Trey Raines, Trey Raines and Xavier Rhodes, which is the one – that got paid recently and has just been really bad. He was even benched against the he Saints. Rose. Right. He's been struggling big time, and he was even benched against the, against the Saints. Yeah, he gave up you know, a deep ball. They, I think they put Holton Hill out there.
2: Yeah, he he gave up a deep ball to number 11. I mean, he, he's just been struggling all year. Um And then he, like, I don't know if he hurt his shoulder, like, to where, you know, I, I saw him grabbing his shoulder and kind of come out for a play or so, but – yeah, Xavier Rhodes he just I, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened. But he still has the ability right, to, right. to make a play. He got an interception in the uh the last time 49ers and Vikings played uh, first game of the season. He he has the ability to to, to make plays, but he's just been getting whooped, <laughs> you know. And somebody that's bigger like him, right, especially has- if you put somebody a little bit quicker out there on him, like you know, even Debo. Debo's really quick off the line and um, you know he can get cornerbacks to kind of you know speed up their time clock. Uh, you know Emmanuel Sanders out there lined up. You know across from him, those guys they can they can beat them. Even I mean we probably won't see them, but even at Dante Pettis, those, those are the guys that uh, Xavier Rhodes will really struggle with.
1: Well, and, that, and that's one of my biggest like game plans from an offensive perspective for the 49ers is they're going to need to they're going to one of their big things is going to be getting the ball out quick which obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is very good at, but they're going to want to get the ball out quick. And I think the 49ers wide receivers are going to have a lot of success against the Vikings cornerbacks. And, uh, you know, I think the 49ers are going to do a lot of stuff out in space. They're going to try and get, you know, obviously they love running to the outside. They're, they're, they're going to have some screens. They're going to have some quick passes. They're going to really try and neutralize the fact that the, the Vikings are good against the run and they have good pass rushers. And so the, a lot of this stuff's going to be off these, these quick passes and the screen games and the, the, whatever, what have you. And I think the 49ers receivers, whoever it is, is going to be able to, to have a lot of success against the Vikings secondary, which brings us to our last position where I think the Vikings might have a slight edge maybe at safety between Harrison Smith, who's a really, really exper- experienced and smart safety, um, and Anthony Harris, who made that deep interception. So, I mean, but again, it's, that's just one of those things where sure I can say the Vikings have a slight edge, but Jimmy Ward's been playing really, really well this season and they're getting to tart back who I don't expect to have like any type of rust. I don't, it wasn't an, you know, cracked ribs aren't necessarily an injury that you have to work your way back from. It's kind of like once they've once they've gotten to a certain point, you can, you can begin to play like you were playing. You know, it's, it's a hard way to say it. Obviously it's a, it's a really painful injury. Like I said earlier in the year, when, when Emmanuel Sanders had it, 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 sometimes it even hurts to breathe or laugh, but kind of once you heal from it and move beyond it, then you're good to go. And I, you know, I, I I don't expect Tart to really have any kind of a, you know, rust to shake off type of deal, but I don't know. What do you think? Who'd you give it to?
2: Oh, definitely the Vikings. Uh, I mean, just between the two safeties alone. I mean, that's nine interceptions. Um, you know uh Harrison Smith by himself has had three forced fumbles and the 49ers safeties as good as they've as good as they've been I don't think they forced any takeaways or right, any right we
1: haven't seen um, any of those like deep, yeah, deep no field in, plays or anything like no, that there's no
2: you know none of that so i mean you know you, you talked about Harris i mean that's six interceptions on a regular season and another one first round of the playoffs That's seven interceptions on the season for him. So I mean, that's a lot,
1: man. That's crazy. You
2: know, those those dudes are making plays back there. So I'm definitely going to have to lean (laughs) towards them just because of that factor. I mean, you know, it's all good. You know, um, you know, breaking up passes, being good in coverage, man. But when you can take the game, take the ball away, and while as I'm saying that, I just saw Harris um, get their interception against the Vikings. But when you can take the ball away and flip field position like he's doing, and see he gets tackled at the saints 45
1: he takes it back quite yeah, a bit to
2: the saints 45 i mean that that that's just that changes games and those guys back there harrison he had an interception last time the 49ers played the vikings uh th- those are those guys are game changers man and um so i'm definitely i'm gonna have to lean towards them and i i, I mean I, I think the 49ers safeties are awesome especially when healthy quincy tart back there especially around the line of scrimmage um he blows up plays blows up screens um, sound in the run game, uh, Jimmy Ward, very versatile, you know, he can guard slots. He, you know, he's playing that single high. Um, he's been really good in space, but those Vikings guys, man, they just take the ball away. So I have to get the edge to them.
1: Right. I gotcha. So if we're, I mean, that pretty much sums us up. I mean, if you, if you wanted to get into punters and kickers, you could, but it's not really that big a deal. Well, I, you know, you know not to just-
2: We're not going to get into that too much, but I will say this. Um, Robbie Gold has been really good since coming back. I think he missed uh, a really long field goal um, when he first came back from his injury. And I think that was in the rain against the. Uh, the. Baltimore. Yeah, that
1: was one of those kicks where. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was like, like, I think it was towards yards, the end of the half. It was like
2: 50 yards right. like, in, in the rain. But since then, he hasn't missed. And I think that's kind of something that like, he's had game winners. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that's kind of gone a little overlooked because. Um, he was so bad in the first half and I think that's kind of what people were thinking about before his injury. I mean, he was missing left and right and it's like, man, what's, what's going on with Robbie Gold? But he's been extremely good, uh, since coming back from his injury.
1: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you wanted to give another nod to the 49ers, but, and, and maybe this is, this is bias on our part. Maybe it's because we don't know quite as much about the Vikings roster as we do the 49ers, but right now we have the 49ers, you know, uh, with advantages at, most of the positions, quarterback, tight end. And remember, we kind of broke that in, down into pass catchers. But I, I still just gave wide receiver to the Vikings just to kind of separate them. Um, 49ers, we have, have the advantage at quarterback, tight end, um, pass rushers, defensive line, linebackers, cornerbacks. Whereas the Vikings have theirs at running back, wide receiver, and safety. So, But again, these, a lot of these like these advantages, and I'm quoting my fingers right now. Are they're not like dramatically shifted in one way or the other? Uh, maybe at, at tight end, you could say the 49ers have a very clear advantage because it's George freaking Kittle, but no matter what, I think it's a very good matchup. Um, I think both teams have what it takes to kind of get after the other team, so to speak. I think. Um, you know, somebody like Dalvin cook can kind of take advantage of the 49ers lack of success against the run where I feel like the 49ers receivers and Jimmy Garoppolo can take advantage of the the Vikings inability, you know, the the vulnerabilities in the secondary, at least along the perimeter. So, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting game and and I feel like it'll be very close. I think it'll probably be pretty low scoring, but I, um, you know, I don't know, man, what are you, what are your, uh, closing thoughts?
2: Um, I, I think the biggest thing for me is just don't let the Vikings pass rushers take over the game. Right. You know, you can't let them do what Clowney did in that first game. And if you can, and if you can neutralize them, you know, they might get there one sack or two sacks, but it can't be consistent pressure all game. If you can neutralize that aspect of, of their defense and Jimmy Garoppolo has time, he he he's dangerous. And I think he'll carve them up no matter who's back there. So, um, just defensive line – I mean the offensive line just hold up and I think the 49ers will be fine.
1: Yep. I think about the same. 49ers can keep Dalvin Cook from going wild and 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 give themselves chances to to get after Kirk Cousins. Then I think that that will be what they need to do. And, I, you know, we'll see. I, I, like I said, I think it's a pretty even matchup. Um, I think the Vikings are better than the Seahawks and I think the Vikings are better than the Eagles – So as much as a lot of, I know, 49ers fans wanted to take some solace in getting the number six seed, you know, that's a number six seed with a a playoff record and a playoff resume. So um, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. And and hopefully Crocker and I come to you guys next week with with Crocker feeling like a winner, but feeling like he's going to the NFC Championship because, you know, the the craziest way to say it and the simplest way to say it is, is the 49ers need to win two football games at home. They win two football games at home, they go to the Super Bowl, which is crazy. They're they're right there, you know, and that's that. It's it's tough. Those aren't I say two games like it's easy, but they need to win two games at Levi Stadium, and they will be headed to Miami for the Super Bowl. So um, obviously, like I said, hopefully we come to you guys next week with uh with a little bit of hype and with a little bit of nfc championship blood but you know if if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen that's just the way it goes so um but again that's us i said it was going to be a short episode but here we are cruising right up to an hour so that's just how uh that's just how crocker and i do things so um uh, uh thanks for tuning in all as always i appreciate you guys uh hit us up on twitter you can find crocker at at eric underscore crocker and you can find me at rob underscore louder um you ever have anything on your mind like we mentioned last episode you ever need someone to talk to uh hit us up say what's up you know let us know that you're listening and that you appreciate um and uh, that you know what we have to say and you know we'll appreciate you listening so um this is uh this is striking gold signing off again and we will uh we'll see you saturday